0: hello and welcome to the vorthos cast i'm brian dawes
1: i'm chris delano and
2: i'm carrie thomas
1: and uh we don't have jay or Lorelai here so we get to speculate about anything we want uh my first speculation um the uh, d- 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 jen Cataxius is gonna get married uh i don't know i just I, I i thought of something really fast off the top of my head it's um that's, uh, that's uh speculation uh luca uh luca i'm just throwing darts at a board he's going to uh become king of eldraine
2: okay that's funny okay i think jaya's gonna get phyrexianized
1: oh i don't think so i think i think we covered pretty well we're gonna cover (laughs) her death today uh spoiler alert to anyone who didn't listen to our preview card
2: or follow any magic (laughs) social media within the past
1: or readers of the Seattle Times or something. <laughs> they published an obituary in the newspaper. <laughs> you can... Yeah, sorry, is dead. Um, any other wild speculation we want to get out real
2: quick? I mean, I'm I'm like 0 for 4 with watch, so I'm not even going <laughs> to fucking bother.
0: Yeah. Uh, I
2: don't even think Koth's yeah. going to show up during any of the March of the Machine stuff. I think he's just... Not there.
0: I, I disagree with that. No,
2: no. This is, I'm, I'm at so bad at guessing. I'm not even going to bother. Um,
0: my theory is going to be that uh, Elspeth kills uh, Elishorn. Ooh.
1: Ooh. Oh, that's a reach. No one would see that yeah, coming. Definitely. Um. <laughs> super
0: surprising. Uh,
1: you know, actually, uh, my speculation: Nashi is going to kill Jen Kataxius. Or maybe Tesseret. Maybe both
0: or both. Yeah, I I, I like. Yes, I like both.
1: Nashi wheels in on like some sort of halo powered motorcycle and just takes them both out. Um, I think that would be a fun way to end their arc. Uh, Tezzeret dying would be a disservice to the like potential narratives of the future, but would be really satisfying. Like. I don't (laughs) I don't think anyone would be sad about Tezzeret dying so much as like. Sad that, well, they lost another villain.
2: I think Elish Norn is on the brink of death and defeat um, when Karn steps in and convinces Jace to create a facade that makes it look like Elish Norn has died while they secretly shuttle Elish Norn away to a prison plane because magic's too desperate to kill off any single one of its villains.
1: Uh, I only think that's okay if we get the preview card showing her in the prison realm.
2: Okay. I think that's doable.
1: Uh, But anyways, we have a podcast to record. Um, We've got a little bit of news happening in Magic right now. And that's uh, just by the time you're listening to this episode, the commander decks for the Warhammer 40k or as is like officially called by Games Workshop, Warhammer 40,000. I think they're pretty insistent on the thousand there. Um, Those commander decks will be completely previewed by the time this episode is up. Uh, they're pretty cool. I was not expecting to so good, right? I was not expecting to be that into them, but like I am suddenly really interested in Warhammer lore. Uh, specifically the aesthetics of the Necrons. I think they look really cool. Uh, I was very impressed. Shout out to Loading Ready Run for their video previewing the like Tyranid deck or no chaos deck, they have the chaos deck, and uh They did this incredible like two hour long video where like Ben and Cameron just talk for the forever about Warhammer lore and every single card gets like a really good discussion. Uh, Really loved that. I did not expect to watch a two hour long video about a deck reveal and I watched all two hours of it.
0: (laughs) I'm going to have to check that out because I have not had a chance to watch that yet.
1: Uh, highly recommend it. If you want to watch something for two hours, it kept my attention the entire time. So like big shout out to loading ready run. Uh, great video. Loved it a lot. Um, still think I'm only going to get the Necron deck because they look really cool with this like border for universes beyond. Um, they're like, they're like, I don't know, like weird space Necromancer skeleton things. And they're all like artifact creatures uh, and so, the, like, the border looks really cool on them. But anyways, yeah, that's coming out. Uh, wrote uh, a little joke here. Warhammer Masters, am I right? Uh, I don't think it's that good. Uh,
2: <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, no, no, we go for the Masters jokes. We're we're the only fans of the Masters jokes at this point.
1: Uh, but, uh... There's not really a lot else going on in Magic. Uh, Infinity previews are starting soon. I don't know when they start, but they're soon. Um, I think it's next week, but I'm
2: not sure. Oh, if it's next week, then I've got to get started on something. Something <laughs> oh, dastardly. <no. laughs> I'm sure. Oh,
0: Can't wait to see it. God, I'll what? give you a
2: hint. It requires sticker paper. <laughs> <laughs> Does it require beans? Uh, No. I, I need to return to my food roots, though. Oh,
1: uh, Lord. Um, it's going to be a mess regardless. Uh, but uh, other than that, yeah, not a lot going on in Magic. Um, trying to think if there's anything we need to plug for for our co-hosts who aren't here. Jay's got a book, but that's coming out in like forever. We've talked about that. Uh, Lorelai is just doing arena stuff. We already talked about that. So good luck to both of them. Uh, but this week, we're here to talk about the final two episodes of the main story of Dominar United, uh, written by Lingley Hyde. We covered the first three episodes already. It's We're at the climax. It's all coming together. Uh, people die. Some people reveal themselves to be secret snakes, uh, sleeper agents. So uh, buckle up, buckos. Let's go.
2: Do you mind if uh, I start with episode four? Please do. Perfect. So episode four, a brutal blow. Uh, Jaya, Joda, Tefiri, and Karn join the crew of the Weatherlight and decide that it's time to split up and gather forces to f- defend against the Phyrexian invasion. Joda, this story branches off quite a bit. Um, Joda heads off to Yavamaya and meets with Miria, a leader of the elves who lives in these ruins and is fascinated with artifice. She refuses to help the coalition claiming the elves are safer in the woods. Um, separate from that, Jaya goes off with a raft to meet with Denetha um, and the Benelians in the red iron mountains. She meets up with a Johnny who smiles a toothy. He smiles his Leonin grin. Let's be honest. no, no,
1: no, specifically toothy grin. Toothy. He shows his teeth. Toothy this is important grin. for the future
2: foreshadowing. I still think it's funny <laughs> that they had to rehab that specific meme line into a story. It smiles a toothy grin and explains that he lost Aaron after the abduction uh, earlier in this story. Uh, Danatha won't help the coalition until Eren has been rescued because father and uh, he is known to be in a nearby cave. Um, Tefiri and Karn are off to the manor rig where Tefiri meets with the goblins, get to Viashino and dragons. Um, The dragons, basically nobody wants to help them except for the goblins, because the goblins want to have rights to say that they're first in any future negotiations with any other of the shiv cultures. It's a shame Jay isn't here. (laughs) (laughs) So the dragons led by Darigaz have not decided if they will help the Viashino and get to Await um, the dragon's decision and we'll follow based off that
1: yeah, yeah the um the like there's like a little Shivan council now which i thought was like a neat thing uh shiv is not just like ruled by like the biggest strongest thing whatever's there you've got the goblins the gitu the viashino and the dragons uh kind of all like meet at like a little council table and make decisions about shiv which is uh delightful i think i mean
0: when you think about it if they if it's only based on the strongest it's always going to be the dragons right so
1: <laughs> yeah and that's like what's happening here is that the dragons have not made up their decision so the viashino and the gitu are also not making up their decision yet until the dragons do uh but the goblins are goblins and they're just like sure whatever we'll fight who cares
2: do you know what i find curious Tefiri did not ask them if they had any crystals has like, he's been, he's been eating those things up like candy. I'm sure he could get supercharged on multiple sparks if it's just spitting those out.
1: Did we ever discuss <laughs> no. uh, if, he, if he swallowed the power stone or if it was a suppository?
2: No, no, he was crunching it up in his teeth. Okay, okay. <laughs> his teeth have been hardened in the millennia. Um, to specifically bite down on planeswalker spark stones
1: they're at the mana rig so if he wants a snack he's just gotta start that thing up and he'll just pull a power stone right out
2: i mean imagine if it wasn't his spark and it just like spits out spark stones like that's an easy way (laughs) to bestow the gift upon somebody um separately (laughs) Uh, i have
1: have now decided that every scene teferi is in for the rest of the story i'm gonna imagine him like with a little bag of chips but instead of chips they're power stones and he's just like Snacking on them,
2: like one of these has to have another spark in it, right? <laughs> <laughs> My God, that's that's what they rightfully get for saying the mana rig and nothing else for explaining how <laughs> they got back. So <laughs> we'll roast them for that 2018 story decision. Uh, a Phyrexian attacks the Weatherlight in the air. Deragaz swoops in and rescues the ship, pledging protection to the mana rig. Now there might be a trend here where they say. Mm, we're not sure or, mm, no get attacked by phyrexians and then say yes like yeah you kind of it's <laughs> it's kind of cliche but it's also kind of how people have acted in human history historically so it's not it checks out not exactly foreign to us yeah <laughs> um,
1: yeah it's it makes sense it's like oh well the dragons help us and the dragons see a giant flying phyrexian they're like well i guess we gotta help you <laughs> <laughs> They fly now.
2: (laughs) Uh, No, no, please don't. Please don't. It would have have been, like, funny if this was just, like, Scythrix's only and final story appearance. He just got teleported here only to (laughs) die. Only to die as a side character. Um, Aside from that, in Yavimaya, uh, Rona attacks on the back of a massive dragon engine, tearing through the village. Myria sees an unarthed artifact that she believes can help fight them back. Joda uses portals and protective spheres to essentially get them to the device safely, which is a damping sphere. Throw back to the literal card named damping sphere. Turning (laughs) off the dragon engine, uh, (laughs) Myria instilled with the fear that, oh, nowhere is safe from Phyrexians, exactly like Joda said finally says, okay, we'll we'll agree to commit our troops to you. So, she pledges the elves to fight Phyrexia after seeing the devastation that has been wrought there.
1: Yeah, we would, you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention here um, something that came up when we were sort of discussing this story earlier in the podcast. Um, Yavamaya is kind of on top of where the Brothers' War happened. (laughs) So, like, there's a ton of like old Urza and Mishra artifacts just kind of underground and around Yavamiya. So uh, yeah, she, she finds a damping sphere and like you would think like, what's that doing here? And it's just trash that they left behind at some point.
2: Yeah. And I'm, I'm half expecting that the brothers war story will have direct seeds that will be like, Oh, and they were fighting in Yavamaya and then they activated a damping sphere and it killed this dragon engine Or like it disabled it and it happened to lay there until she picked it up in this story. Like, you know that's going to happen with the Dominaria card art, so figure they'll do something for the story, I'm guessing. But regardless, in the mountains, a failed attack on the Phyrexians hiding in the caves leads to a massive reveal. Artia's back. Woohoo. This is when you all clap. Mm because you're so happy
1: urtai <laughs> urtai walks out to nothing and he goes please clap yeah. <laughs> oh. Ertai is just jed bush we'll uh. we'll wait
2: until the end of the story to fully explore how riveting the urtai reveal is and how it inspires a new generation of hope in the story and resurrecting dead characters but regardless, he's been resurrected. And also, he's personally responsible for completing, um, completing, completed, whichever, either or. I think they say complete, though. Completing Aaron Capetian. Uh So he is not himself anymore. A massive battle breaks out. Um, Aaron Capation ends up dying to uh, Danitha, who hears Her father's cries through his Phyrexian machinery to be like, hey, do the right thing and kill me right now because this isn't me. And uh, she does that. um, A massive battle with the Dreadnought um, being controlled by Urtai now. The Benalians are losing to it until the golden Argusi flies in. That's how you say that,
1: correct? (laughs) We are not saying an Argusi. I'm sorry. It's Argusi. Okay. No, thank you. Golden
2: Argusi (laughs) flies in. And the Keldons join the fray, led by Rada. Um, Ertai, naturally being the little weasel that he is, escapes. Karin and Joyra have a heartfelt discussion about grief and time and the distance put between them by, you know, both feeling like shit over Venser and everything that's happened in the time since. And then J- Joda rudely interrupts them to say, There's an imposter among us
1: oh jesus do uh do we want to discuss episode four or do we want to like move straight on to episode five there's okay let's let's talk about episode four because there's a lot that happens in episode five but there's there's things to discuss in episode four primarily um i guess we can just cut straight to urtai yeah they they bring back urtai uh it's a big reveal it's I thought was like really cool. Ertai is like a really cool character I never really got to spend time with because I well, cool is kind of a word for him. Um he's a character, certainly, that I never really got to spend time with as someone who didn't like participate in the Weatherlight and in original invasion uh storyline. But like he was dead.
2: He was dead dead in the most literal form possible.
1: Like ancient
0: dead, like
2: and I understand the cool, fun nostalgia you get by grabbing the old Phyrexian Invasion era character and slapping them in the new Phyrexian Invasion. It is not my cup of tea. It doesn't seem to be a lot of people's cup of tea. It. I still trust them to have some discretion over where they use weird 100% from 0% resurrections like this. But yeah. I think Jay's litigated it a few times. In replies. To say like. There might have been some organic material. Rel- remaining for them to rebuild from. But at the end of the day. We understood the intent of the story at that point, And it's cool now. Will it be worth it? I'm genuinely not convinced. Like, was it worth it for the shock value of Jaya being like, hey, that's fucking Ertai? Like, I know this dude. He's a real piece of shit. Kind of. But, like, if that's going to be his only purpose here, unless he has some ancient knowledge that isn't nece- like, necessitates him being there, it feels nonsensical resurrection. And based on what we no, by the end of the Dominaria United story they pretty much have everything going for them they have interplanar tor- portals via Tazeret they have other things in the works I can't imagine why he's hanging around necessarily
0: yeah I, um, I'm definitely in the camp where I don't think he should have been brought back at all um, just because there's a sense of finality and I feel like it really cheapens the deaths of that whole that that whole period like it's not like he died a couple hundred years ago and his body was remained intact and like this was like several hundred years like and why would they even know to resurrect him over some other random joe schmoe from dominaria right and it's not like he he died on new on on mirrodin or somewhere else like he died in on dominaria effectively after the Rafi overlay like it's it doesn't make sense to me why Urtai like other than just a name drop yes so I, I've, I've never like
2: like obviously this, there's this... some like organizational knowledge that is retained through the Phyrexian oil for them to remember Dominaria as their first first attempted at invasion I guess and Shieldred teases at that at multiple points in this story. But like Urtai though?
1: <laughs> okay, I I'm gonna play so so I have two two feelings about Urtai. One, I think in the greater sense of the narrative, uh bringing back long dead characters who are like killed, killed is a really dangerous precedence to set. Um even if you can explain it very easily, even if you're like, well, there's genetic material. Sheoldred is like a master of that. That's kind of her whole thing. I get that. But it's also like it immediately started discussions about Venser again. And I was like, oh, God, no. Um, but the the other side of the coin is I will play a little bit of devil's advocate here uh, and say that I can see why Urtai from not just like a nostalgia point of view, but also from a narrative point of view. So so hear me out. Um, Ertai is one of the only people who knew Karn who could be Phyrexianized. I mean, like there's like Tez or like Teferi. When I say no Karn, I don't just mean like have been his friend for a while. Like, you know, uh, like Johnny was or like Tamiyo. I mean, like Ertai was there at his construction. <laughs> Ertai is familiar or maybe not his like immediate construction, but he was there when he was still young. Ertai knows him well from all that time. He knew how to stop Karn. And so it makes sense if Shieldred's goal here on Dominaria is to remove the Silex from play and remove Karn from play to search for someone on the plane who would have that sort of knowledge. And it's easier, I guess, if you're shieldred to bring back Urtai than it is to like kidnap and complete Joyra or Teferi. And so like maybe, and I think that kind of plays out in the next episode when Urtai and Karn meet, you do get that feeling of like, ah, Urtai is here for Karn. He's the one who knows how to stop Karn. He's the one who knows how to like control that aspect of this. Uh, also Urtai knows the weather light which comes up in the next episode. So like, I get from like a point of view of a stra- strategical purpose why she might go, hey, let's find Ertai. Um, he's Phyrexianized already. We don't really have to do a lot of work here. We just have to bring him back. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, if I hear another person saying, well, when Vincer shows up in Phyrexia, Jesus.
0: I guess my, my biggest counter to that is that if they really want to go that route, like I'm I'm thinking they should have gone with Squee. He's already been parsh he's been exposed to Fire X, and Magic. Like it, it it's they wanna mess around with that kind of thing, or they could have found the corpse of Greb and Ovec or like
1: I think Crovax would have been fun.
0: Yeah, or yeah, Crovax was a, a good choice too. It's just like uh,
1: <sighs> We know we know Krovax is, is- Dead dead as well, but he was he wasn't like reduced to a pile of ash, was he?
0: Max <laughs> my knowledge, and I know Grevin was killed by Tongarth and his course was just discarded. Mm. So it was just like
1: <sighs> Yeah, I yeah, so like I think from like a narrative point of view, you can make an argument or tie a like makes sense, but also like there's other options if you need that character in the story. Um I don't know. I like Dirtai because they made him and he looks really cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he looks really... The art's great.
2: I think it. it's executed well. I think it's just both a very slippery slope and not necessarily something I saw as like mission critical. But again, like... Yeah. I I will continue to place mistrust in in their discretion towards it a very very cautious trust i should say because this is uh fan servicey like you get the character back even though he died literally over a decade ago out of fiction Mm -hmm. and probably actually like two decades ago out of fiction but yeah like seeing the vencer shit pop up like I think that would legitimately be a lot of people's last straw if they brought Venser back because there's just no purpose to it.
1: <laughs> if they if they do anything with Venser, he needs to just be an inanimate corpse that they've like rigged up on like strings. Because yes. no, they...
0: just just leave it where it is. Don't even bother with that because that, <laughs> that that would just piss me off.
1: I'm just saying, like, I don't, I mean, anything that Phyrexians do is going to piss you off, Brian. Um, But I mean, like, I don't want them to, like, bring Vincer back in terms of, like, either as a completed Phyrexian or as, like, a resurrected person. I think Vincer needs to stay dead. But if they want to, like, put his corpse on the wall for Karn to stare at, then, like, sure, that's, like, a Phyrexian thing to do. But, uh, yeah, that's my thought there. Um, if they bring back Vincer, that's just why. Just don't do it.
2: it it's it been executed well in other media, like mm-hmm. the Magic Legends game did the La Shrek, <laughs> and the Boom Comics have done spoilers for Boom Comics, but Jace, Jace is back-ish, despite Ish? having... The, yeah. Like, for comic book level of resurrection, mm-hmm. sure, that's perfectly fine. But, um, but again,
0: all of those, those like the, the Jace thing isn't century, multiple centuries of being dead before oh, yeah. being brought back.
2: Yeah, this this one strictly feels like a comic book return mm-hmm. for Urtai. And I think that's why it vibes people the wrong way. I mean, magic story has long been um, following the rules and then decides that it doesn't need the rules anymore. And then tries to break the rules and then says, oh, those rules were in place for a reason and goes back to the status quo as it was before. Because it turns out, like, you can try to improve the thing, but a lot of the institutional knowledge that has existed that seems kind of nonsensical, like no comic book deaths and resurrections, like, just genuinely makes it a better organized story. So, yeah.
1: Um I think the only way you avoid a resurrection in magic is if they give you a memorial. Like if they build a memorial for you, then you're dead, dead. So like we need a <laughs> Vincer memorial stat. Um. Anyways, no. I, I think the reason Urtai came back is because Ethan wanted him to come back. We we know you're listening, Ethan. Um. <laughs> Ethan. Ethan Fleischer did say that like the reason Urtai came back, uh, as opposed to any other character, is that there is a narrator in Wrath and Storm who is heavily implied to be an older Urtai. And so like for that to be canon and for that to work, Urtai has to come back. And then maybe eventually someday, maybe Urtai turns good again, somehow loses a pair of arms somehow <laughs> becomes normal. Uh, I guess normal is not the right word here. Unfyrexianized. Um, don't want freaksins to think they're not normal.
2: Yeah, that'd be a huge, blow, huge blow to their self esteem. <laughs> uh,
1: but yeah, that's uh, I guess like the big discussion about episode four is Urtai. Um, I I liked episode four. I thought it was a really good build up to the eventual climax we were getting. Uh, but like I think we've said before, like. It wasn't a lot of build-up time for all of that. It was just like one episode. You have to send everyone out to go meet everyone and bring them all together, and so it was like kind of not necessarily rushed so much as it was like, been nice to have had more than one episode leading up to the the big climax in episode five, uh, after like a bunch of small insular stories. Um,
2: well, we'll get to that after episode five. The pacing, yeah, which we all love. Favorite topic here. <laughs>
1: magic story pacing it's great uh well episode five uh i'm gonna go through this one because i wrote it and also there's a thing at the end uh for you listeners out there to know we write little agendas with summaries and my last um bullet point for episode five is there's a lot at the end and i'll just talk about it uh so episode five is a whisper in the wind uh card and teferi are like hanging out on the mana rig, discussing preparations for what they're sure is going to be a coming battle because uh, they've kind of accepted that the Phyrexians are just going to attack the mana rig at some point. They're like putting cannons on it and stuff. It's been turned into sort of this like fortress. Uh, Joira is building a self-destruct button because like they're pretty sure that Shieldred wants the mana rig because like imagine Shieldred just like on top of a mana rig instead of a spider or dragon engine thing. Um, there's also this like really great scene where Teferi is like giving another apology to Karn, uh, where he says, quote, it was too easy to think of you as a thing while watching you being built, which I thought was like a really good way of saying like, yeah, I kind of messed up. And it was just because like the entire situation we were in was kind of messed up where Urza was creating you as this like construct. And he only wanted to think of you as a construct. And so I also thought of you as a construct when you were more than that. Karn is a person. Uh, then wee woo, wee woo, wee woo. The claxons start going off. Frexian invasion's happening. Uh, no time to like talk and have more heartfelt chats. Uh, they're like coming out of the sand. They're crawling up the walls. The cannons aren't quite ready yet. Uh, it's bad. Uh, evil weatherlight shows up, which we'll talk about like next week or something. Um it's uh the Weatherlight shows up and it's evil. It's been completed everyone. Uh that happens off-screen of the main story in a side story. Um which, you know, is a good way of doing things, I guess. Um Ertai, who we just talked about at length, shows up and he's like, "Hey, I'm the captain of the Weatherlight now. Screw you, Karn, and screw you all the people who were also on the Weatherlight with me. Uh you left me behind, but guess what? Now I'm in charge." Uh, Ertai then, uh, gives this comment that I noticed like kind of mirrors to fairies where he says, um, talking about Sheoldred, he says, uh, she may think you're special Karn Ertai, Ertai said, but I know the truth. Anything that has been built can be disassembled. So while Teferi is saying, Hey, I watched you get built. And I kind of didn't realize that, you know, that didn't mean you were just a thing. Ertai's like, Hey, I watched, you know, I know that you were just built. You're just a thing. I can take you apart. Um, and so Urtai uses some magic and, like, freezes Karn in place, uh, kind of bypassing Karn's defenses, which is why I think Urtai was important here, because if anyone knows about Karn as a, you know, construct, it would be someone who spent that much time with him at the Telerian Academy. Uh, so Urtai freezes him. He, like, physically crushes him a little bit, uh, as well as mentally. Uh, Karn thinks he's going to die, and so he uses, like the last bit of his strength to create like this titanium case around the silex from a distance which is like cool cool magic stuff uh then suddenly the golden argosy flies in uh i flies being it doesn't a have very flying you piece of
2: shit <laughs> yeah i played the card, the card. Have flying
0: no. <laughs> it, yeah it should
1: The card doesn't have flying. If you get a copy of this card and like sealed or whatever or draft and you're like, oh, like this really cool vehicle, it looks like it has flying. If you read the story, you think it should have flying. It doesn't have flying. So be careful. Uh, The card doesn't have flying, but the actual boat can fly. Uh, It flies in. It drops off all those Banalians and Keldons from earlier, from the previous story. Uh, They are really good Warriors, they start fighting back Phyrexians, and then, of course, the very good and kind Ajani uh, saves Karn, because Ajani is a good guy, and he saves his friend. Um, this is not foreshadowing. Uh, Jaya joins them on deck. You know She comes out of uh, the workshop where she was, uh, and Shieldred shows up and is like, hey, I'm on a dragon engine now. Aren't I cool? Uh, which, granted, is very cool. So Shieldred is very cool, guys. Um, that is my opinion. My official hot take is that Shieldred is cool.
0: You're, you're, you're entitled to your wrong opinions.
1: <laughs> I just think it's cool that she's on a dragon
0: engine. Uh, the aren't cool, everybody. Just, just, just say no.
1: <laughs> uh, I think being completed is very cool, actually. Say
0: no to the glistening oil, everyone. Just say the no. The
1: glistening oil is delicious. I don't know what you're no. talking about. It's a perfect cup for the morning uh, to get you going. Uh, Anyways, Shildred shows up. uh, She tells Karn to give her the Silex. Uh, Karn says no. Uh, He sends Jaya back into the workshop to get the Silex. um, And like implying like, hey, get it off plane. Planes walk out of here with it. Uh, Phyrexians continue their assault. But like then the manor rig just kind of like stands up and starts walking away, which is, you know, a good plan. <laughs> um, Mana rig was definitely built to move. And so it starts moving away and it's like stepping on the Phyrexians and stuff. Uh, Joda and Maria arrive then on some Kavu uh, alongside all the other elves of Yavamaya. They turn the battle, they beat back the Phyrexians, they secure the Mana rig. Jaya comes out of the workshop and she's like, hey, I got the Silex, but this thing is so heavy, I cannot planeswalk with it because um, Karn put all of that like titanium and stuff around it. So Karn's like, oh, well, you know, let me take the protections off of the Silex while we're safe. And there's no Phyrexians up here because there are no Phyrexians on the deck of the mana rig. Uh, so he removes all of the protections that he put on the Silex so that Jaya can grab it and planes walk out. Uh, and then Ajani kills Jaya. Uh, this is the reveal. Ajani says, finally... Uh and he is reveals that he has been completed. Uh, much to our surprise, uh, not really, because we've known for like a month now, uh, but to the surprise of everyone uh in the story, including Ajani himself, uh, he starts sort of just transforming in front of their eyes as his like skin starts crawling and separating, revealing some like Phyrexian fibers, his Eye that had you know has been removed forever uh, is back and it's like glowing red. Uh, he basically slashes at Jaya. He takes the silex from her and crushes it, uh, destroying the silex, which is you know not what we thought was going to happen. Uh, he is just he's evil now. Uh, he slashes his axe into Karn, just like completely disabling him. Uh, Shieldred stops the mana rig with her giant dragon engine body. Um, the scene is really good. Like the way this is all written is really well done. I'm kind of just summarizing it really quickly. Uh, but everything is lost. It's just it's bad. Um, everything that they thought they were winning turns around on them in a moment, and they are now about to lose everything. Uh, except Joyra presses the self destruct button. She says no. This isn't happening. Uh, Joda portals everyone away. Uh, Ajani, Karn, and Shieldred are sucked up into a planar bridge portal. Uh, and then the Mana Rig blows up, presumably killing all the other Phyrexians. Uh, that brings us to kind of the epilogue of the story um, Jaya is dead. Uh Joda is distraught. Teferi is distraught. Joyra is distraught. They are all incredibly just sort of shocked by what just happened. Um Teferi starts trying to take care of Joda, who is collecting a, a lock of Jaya's white hair. Um it's Joda is of everyone the most hurt by this moment because Jaya was his best friend for well. I don't think they would have ever called each other best friends, but they are, they have been friends for literally thousands of years. Uh, and they still didn't have enough time together. Um, Teferi is mourning for her as someone he's known also for a very long time. Uh, Joira sort of spurs them to action. Is like, Hey, we've got to do something. Childress just took Karn and Johnny. Um, they don't have the Silex, so they don't know what to do. And Teferi's kind of at a loss. Um he decides that they're gonna build Jaya a memorial, and that's how we know Jaya's never coming back because she gets a memorial. That's the rules. Gideon got a memorial, Jaya got a memorial, they're not coming back.
2: Urtai was on the mana rig, right?
1: Uh Urtai was No, I think
0: he got planeswalk, can... or he got planner portaled with which whatchamacallit. <laughs>
1: I think he actually gets knocked off earlier in the story. Um, and I think the implication is that he escapes. Um, so he, yeah, I don't think Ertai's gone. Um, so they uh, they build a memorial for Jaya. It's really cool. It's got some white pyramids around an ever burning flame that if you like look at it at the right angle and the winds hit it correctly, it looks like a a woman turning away to hide her smirk, her pale hair streaming into nothingness. So, uh, very pretty. Um, everyone is like paying respects. There's, uh, pyramids for each of them or for, you know, her three greatest friends. Uh, one of which is supposed to be Karn. And, uh, they got to get him back so that he can put memories of Jaya in the pyramid. Um, so it's like, uh, it's really cute. There's like a pyramid for Teferi there's a pyramid for uh Joda and there will be one for Karn. Um, but then Teferi uh meets up with Sahili, who is here, and uh he tells her that he's ready for something. And he walks in through this like tower that I think is like supposed to be like an Urza
2: Tower. It's, it's kind of it's an unclear. Urza's tower. It is of the Urza's type line.
1: <laughs> um yeah, so Teferi goes into this tower, and they climb up to the top, uh, and turns out there is a um, device up there that has been built by Sahili that will uh, make it more powerful, his powers more powerful, which will make Teferi able to do more with his magic. Uh, they Jaya, in her last moments, not only took the Silex, but had also hidden Karn's notes about the Silex in her outfit. Which means that after she was dead and they found her body, they were able to go, hey, Jaya took all of the notes he had. We know so much about how to recreate the Silex, but we don't know how to make it work. So Teferi is going to go back in time and he's going to figure out how the Silex works by going back to the last time it was used.
2: That's right. We're going back to the Armada comics. We're going back to (laughs) Ravidel and the... uh... Minorad and uh, I don't remember the rest <laughs> of these people.
1: <laughs> Sandrew, we're going to get Sandrew back. Um, no, we're, we're going back to the Brothers War next set. Uh, so that's the setup for that. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Karn is on New Phyrexia and uh, Elish Norn welcomes him to her her world. Uh, she says, welcome, father, welcome home, which is creepy in its own way. Do not like. Uh, She shows Karn the glory of what is to come. And uh, he looks and he sees a small, stunted sapling growing from the porcelain sand. Its gnarled, delicate branches reminded him of the small trees he saw above the timberline in the mountains. Its pale limbs glistened with an iridescent sheen. Beads of oil hung from its twigs like buds.
2: No idea what that is.
1: (laughs) Elish Norn calls it the beginning of everything.
0: Bad touch, bad touch.
1: <laughs> so this is uh this is our hint of what the future is going to hold. We have the uh Phyrexians who, you know, did we did first see a Phyrexian off-plane on Kaldheim stealing the elixir of the gods from the base of the world tree. So uh I wonder if that's gonna have anything to do with their future plans.
0: Rip Ethica.
1: Yeah. It's uh, it's not looking good for the multiverse. It looks like the Phyrexians have some sort of tree that they're building or growing uh, that, you know, the trees on Kaldheim or the, the world tree on Kaldheim was well known for being sort of the way that people pass from realm to realm. I wonder if they're going to apply that on a little bit of a larger scale.
2: Are we going to talk about the sense streamed reveals of what it's called the what the sense streamed reveals of what it's called i think it was covered oh, yeah. in the dominaria united videos yeah yeah we can talk about it can we do the meta stuff first and then do the actual content yeah so let's let's talk about
1: the the meta like knowledge that we have about the story and the future of magic uh first um because i think that's important to frame here.
2: So that they're growing a tree inside the plane to be able to invade all their planes, and Tefiri's going back in time, and there's a cool art of Elishnorn's head over, what was it, like Theros, Zendikar, and Kamigawa? Question I think mark? so. In that order from left to right, and Tefiri's in the middle, and he's trying to stop them from invading, and there's all the tree limbs going in there. So basically... They have a tree called Realm Breaker, does what it says on the tin. (laughs) If (laughs) if you're familiar with the Kaldheim metaphysics, those are 10 different planes that are connected by one world tree, and that world tree is traversable, question mark. Like, there are gods who can be able, there are gods who are able to move between the planes of that tree because of the connection that everything has so yeah that's their invasion plan phyrexian invasion one was kind of overlay for the most part like there were obviously attempts at sleeper agents on other planes but we'll call phyrexian invasion one the dominaria one which was the Rathi overlay phyrexian invasion two inadvertently through mirrodin They kind of just got to be homegrown there. And now we're seeing Phyrexian Invasion 3 take an entirely different approach, which is proactively seeking things that don't require a whole fucking new plane like Wrath and (laughs) allow them to, I'm assuming, move troops more easily than having to have Tezzeret the seeker shuttle you everywhere because you're <laughs> 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 because you are kind of metal, kind of flush, and need to recoup time on any plane that you arrive on. So yeah, that is the plan for the Machine Legion invasion force. They will-I don't really know how you walk up and up a tree and across the branches, but that's what they're gonna do. So
1: yeah, I think in, in Kaldheim it's explained that like a lot of, like it's possible for anyone to cross the realms on Kaldheim, uh, but like only the gods are able to just kind of like do it as they At please. Will. Yeah. Yeah.
2: There are people who like literally get lost into mm-hmm. other places. Yeah. There's like a lot
1: of ways to like do it. Like I know um uh what's her face, Omen Keel slash the other side of that card. the god's actual name which i've forgotten uh her boat can cross the realms uh there are like sufficiently strong magic users who can like open their way through the realms it is
2: very Uh, comparable to early magic multiverse where anybody with enough power could do it and also some other people just because they were special
1: (laughs) uh Which, you know, if the Phyrexians are like, hey, we're going to combine all of the planes with our world realm breaker, uh, with our tree, then like the Phyrexians will be very, very capable of just walking from realm to realm. And uh, planeswalkers will still be able to travel realms a lot easier than everyone else. But like, I don't know, we might see some various magic characters walking between realms for some reason. Like, I don't know. We might see a team-up of, like, throwing some names out there, Baral, uh, uh, the Essica, and her chariot, Chandra, um, and uh, the blue dragon spirit from Kamigawa. Uh,
2: I know uh, know we don't talk about cards on this podcast because the cards are the most cringe part of Magic the Gathering, but um, the thought of how many new legendary creatures for all these characters getting pulled into March of the Machines. Like, we we have been in commander legendary creature flooding times for like the past year or two and it is not going to let up anytime soon because <laughs> you know if they get cards then people are going to be excited for those cards and if they don't get cards but some of them do then people are going to be upset that Baral didn't get a new card in March of the Machines because he's in the story. And yeah, I just, that's my meta reason for hating March of the Machine is that it's going to give us more legendary creature 2.0s of a billion characters in a set that is almost already going to be guaranteed to be saturated with Planeswalkers defending against Phyrexia the phyrexians themselves and these legends
1: you just print a special sheet that goes into boosters like the time spiral no, sheet, no, no. or whatever that just has has random legendary creatures <laughs> from various planes <laughs> so you open up your pack and for some reason there's a tasa karlov or something just sticking in and you're like oh well sure. i guess she's in this story um anyways yeah it's a it's an exciting future prospect that we might break the rules a little bit of magic and allow characters to cross planes more. Um
2: Uh, again, again, like breaking the rules. Really cool in theory. Not very like there are rule breaking rule breaking events that have happened. But like I don't know. This seems like the most chaotic approach to a Phyrexian invasion that could be attempted. And as much as I am a fan of chaos in general. This one does a lot of things that combined I do not like. (laughs) Agreed. And like they made it such a point that it was going to be such a struggle for these Phyrexians to get Interplanar. And then their source of getting Interplanar was first Tezzeret and now a tree. It's not that I wanted it (laughs) to be more difficult for them, but that was supposed to be like their major hurdle to overcome and it seems like they did it pretty quickly, but that's also just mm. the pacing of the story. Like, I mean, we get four different sets a year, yeah. five if we're lucky sometimes. <laughs> to, to be
1: to be fair, it took like 10 years between New Phyrexia and like Call Time. Yeah,
0: like that's because they haven't touched New Forexia until what, last year?
1: Yeah,
2: that's not oh, that any reason to. Is, but like no, but that's the, that's the, the whole the thing. The ramp it's up like, has
0: essentially been a year and a right. half.
2: You don't get the sense that it was a lurking threat when every single story is like, here's a shotgun blast of Nicol Bolas. here's a shotgun blast of the Eldrazi, here's a shotgun blast of Neuphorexia. And it's like, I understand what you're trying to do here, but like they really gave nothing about that. And I understand that's like part of the game constraints, like when you're designing seven years out into the story you don't necessarily have everything solidified so you don't want to tease things only to have to go back on them a little bit later because you decided to pivot to a slightly different direction that you thought was better but new Horexia was just kind of like pretty fast advance <laughs> for for the modern era and i'm guessing it would have been significantly slower in the previous even two block structure but like
1: Oh, it would have certainly been slower and we would have been complaining so much about like, (laughs) there's no happy, (laughs) there's there's absolutely no happy medium here. But
2: yeah, I guess my, my main point of that was that it seems like a very, very easy advance and I don't know, maybe it's just, maybe it's just how the story is being told now just feels completely at such a significantly mm. faster pace both at like the micro level of releasing five stories in essentially five weekdays allotted to it and the set structure and the fact that they need to switch their focus so frequently between like we're going for more of the spark now we're doing these standalone stories now we're doing the new Phyrexia arc so yeah.
1: yeah i think uh i think part of the the issue is that they did set up some of the Phyrexia stuff a while back in the sense of like they put the planar bridge in Tezzeret, who we already knew had a connection. And so it's like, oh hey, the you know, they made it clear, like, oh, the planar bridge can be used to transport inorganic material. Uh let's see what that happens. And like there there was some like setup. Oh yeah. But yeah. at the same time, it was like it was kind of slow moving. And also to be fair, we have a year left of the story. Mm -hmm. Like this time next year, we're going to be discussing aftermath, or I guess we would have already discussed it a little bit, but like similar time periods, we're going to be discussing aftermath. Um, so it's like, we've got a lot left. We took a little while. I think that, um, I have trust this time that the story is going to be good. Uh, I hope we get something more from it than just five short story episodes on the website for Brothers War, five stories for New Phyrexia, then like five stories for March of the Machine. Like, I hope we get like, I don't want to say a novel or anything, but I hope we get something more than that, like simple structure Mm. to really like hammer home the impact of the story. Um, maybe it's, like, six or seven. Maybe they spread it out over a longer period of time. Maybe they do something with it. I don't know.
2: I, I feel like they legitimately burned that bridge. Like, whatever trust was put into them, that they could be flexible with a story, like, they are down to the bare minimum of what is allowed, and that is five main stories five side stories you can maybe sacrifice one side story to make it a sub main story but like yeah and at the end of the day I don't see that structure working for March of the Machines again you have a Mm -hmm. set that is going to be so fucking chaotic with multiple factions and literal planes and I mean I I legitimately (laughs) feel bad for the writers like as I felt bad for Greg Wiseman at the time when you get unloaded with like that (laughs) big of a responsibility, there's going to be no clean way to satisfy everyone. And also like, you're not going to have time to characterize everybody. You're going to get flamed for mischaracterizing somebody because they legitimately didn't matter to the story, but they did need to pipe up so that people knew they existed as a cameo. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I,
1: I guess, like, baseless speculation, I hope at the end of uh, Phyrexia and Phyrexia all will be one, um, which is after Brothers War, I hope at the end of that story, they make it clear, like, what's happening in March of the Machine, like, give us Realm Breaker, give us people traveling the multiverse, like, not in the card set, but in the story, just like, ah, at the end of that, we know what's happening and then instead of like waiting for the week leading up to the previews starting for March of the Machine to give us five story episodes, like every week, give us an episode of like a character somewhere on one plane dealing with this. Grab those authors who want to write magic story, like give me an episode with and McGuire writing Tyvar Kell, who's on Zendikar for whatever reason, running into Phyrexians. And what he does when he realizes what's happening or and like, it doesn't have to be attached to like the main plot that we're going to get in March of the machine, but it can just be like, Hey, here's a story that's sort of giving you some more texture, some more like feeling to the world that we're building up to. uh, So that when March of the machine comes out, when we get our five episode main story, we are satisfied by it and we're not left there sitting there going, what about these characters? How are they responding over here? What's going on over here? And, you know, we also aren't getting like a novel with 11 to 13 point of view characters because <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ.
2: Here's, here's my question to get us off of the more mm-hmm. of the spark hell comparisons. <laughs> Did either of you think that Tefiri would go back in time for Brothers War? Or that any character would go back and no. find two brothers war. No, I
1: I genuinely did not expect it. I really thought they weren't going to do that, and, and so I
2: don't think they really telegraphed it well. Like, not that I think they should have like teased it in other stories or anything, but like it's never been a public vow that he has made to never mess with time. It was always kind of mm-hmm. like people arguing over his card mechanics being like, oh, he sent them back in time or made it so that they were never born. I know that's a big contentious one. It is interesting. Like, I think, I think it's I think it's spicy in the silly way and not in the Ertai way. Like, not that I love time travel stories. I genuinely do not enjoy them. But at the same time, like, I think this was the correct way to set up like this is the desperate attempt to go back in time and i'm assuming he's not gonna intervene in anything or like there won't be butterfly effects through the timeline you know yeah
1: that's that's my hope for for him going back in time is that they don't like do the butterfly effect thing or they don't do the like teferi changed this thing in the past and now when he comes back to the present everything is you know altered i hope they just stick to like He's here as an observer and everything he's done in the past has already happened because that's how time works. So I didn't see it coming. I thought it was like, I genuinely, when they first announced brothers war, people were like, Oh, you're going go back in time to the brothers war. And everyone was like, no, no, we wouldn't do that. This is a flashback set. This is just looking at the past. And then they revealed it. And I was like, Oh, so like you are going back in time. And I genuinely believed you (laughs) that you weren't going to do it. So I don't know. I think it's cool.
0: It's cool. It's. I'm not. I'm not a huge fan of time travel stories, but we'll see what happens. If they change things, I'll be super salty about it. But I'll deal with it as it as we as we see it. I guess.
1: Teferi goes back in time to the Brothers War, and uh, he gets it on with Caleb and Krug, and then it turns out that Joda is actually his ancestor
0: oh my god <laughs> <laughs> <This is bad.
1: laughs> uh no they just they actually don't reveal it and they just leave it up to like discussions about like who is the father of uh of uh urza's son the longest thread in locked
2: at four thousand comments <laughs> um
1: add more add more questions into the mix of who uh who is that kid's father um Anyways, I guess, uh, we've sort of talked at length about all the stories. We're kind of running up on time here. Uh, do we want to just, like, go to final thoughts, or do we have, like, pressing things we want to say about the Dominari United story?
2: Um, I'm good with final thoughts. Chris, I think you had a Twitter thread that kind of encapsulated or Twitter reply thread to somebody at the time that these stories released that encapsulated my feelings about how everything is released. Um, Especially for the main story, so I'm yeah, sure. I think that
1: was to to Kelly Diggs, actually, if go. I remember correctly. Uh, so, if people want to go dig through my Twitter replies to find me talking to Kelly Diggs about Magic Story, uh, feel free. Good luck.
2: That's basically what I agreed with. <laughs> go read that. Go read that thread that we'll put in the Twitter replies. So. Um,
1: uh, yeah, so we can go and do final thoughts. Uh, Brian, you have to lead us off.
0: Uh, my final thought is that uh, I am loving the look of these Warhammer uh, cards. Uh, and the more and more I hear about the random stories uh, <laughs> behind all of these random legendary creatures or random awesome artifacts or whatnot from my roommate who knows a good bit about the Warhammer lore, War, makes me want to go pick up those books because... Uh, Some of this stuff is off the ball bat crap insane and it's super interesting and I kind of want to hear more about it. So like I think if I think if anything Warhammer is going to get what they wanted out of this whole joint venture with Watsy as far as getting someone else interested in their product, I have no intention of ever buying any figurines or building any kind of army because I've already decided that magic is my vice of choice and I'm not willing to expand into another one as much as I spend on magic. So, but I will at least read, I'll, I'll take a gander at some of their novels and see how much, how deep into that hole I want to go.
1: Yeah. I, uh, I might have watched like a couple of long form videos on, uh, on the Necrons. Cause I think they're really neat. <laughs> My uh, my final thought, uh, well, I'm going to have two. One of them is for Jay. Uh, Jay might have slipped me some cash under the table and told me to plug Gigabash. Um, Godzilla is coming to Gigabash, everyone. If that means something to you, you're probably really excited. <laughs> but Gigabash is that like game Jay always talks about with the uh, like kaiju monster things fighting in a city. It's like a little like fighting style game. Uh, And they've got Godzilla licensing, so good for them. Uh, My personal final thought is uh, I'm going to go see Florence and the Machine next week slash this week as of release of the episode.
2: Nice. That new album is good.
1: It is so good. And uh, I got uh, a friend of mine had tickets and handed me a ticket. So I'm going to go see Florence and the Machine. So that's exciting. Big fan of her.
2: My final thought is an original one, but when here here's my prediction. And I basically thought of it while I was reading the story because I've long wanted this to be relevant. But I think what Elish Norn has that Tezzeret wants is going to be the Morari. And that is what this whole thing has been in service to. It is the perfect, stupid, power artifact that will power whatever his next plan is after new and inevitably throws him to the wayside when they already have their invasion tree going so yeah like i i i think jay has long argued that that the mirari was either disposed of or um like left in the core of new and I always thought it would be interesting to do a conspiracy set, people fighting over the Marari, because it seemed like a powerful enough artifact that it would give any of the factions an advantage. But now that we're into actual New Phyrexia, like, it's a perfect bargaining chip. It is powerful artifact that, yeah can basically be rewritten in story to do whatever whatever <laughs> is needed, which is the important part when there's an artifact at play because unless there's some certain intention with it, then Tezzeret's dreams can come true at this point, yeah.
0: Wait, you mean Memnarch?
2: Mem- it was dismembered after, like, it was part of Memnarch's dismantling um, during the third book of that series, and yeah i don't think it was very clear where it ended up but yeah like it's the only thing that makes sense that they would have on plane that tezzeret would possibly want as a planeswalker and not be able to just like immediately go in and grab from them so
1: it uh it would make sense as yet another artifact made by pre-mending planeswalkers uh that becomes a central story element
2: i would hate for the marari to be like fought over again But I think Tezzeret having it is probably, like, hopefully he'll take the center stage after the Phyrexians or we'll have another cooldown break and then we can deal with Tezzeret stuff. But, like, I want that dude to die. I want him (laughs) to die so bad. And you know he's not going to die with the new Phyrexia arc. Like, he's going to die inevitably later and um, maybe not even die if wizards are cowardly enough. So (laughs) we'll see
1: so they're gonna take the marari and they're gonna put it in the middle of a hidden city somewhere and then they're gonna have a whole story about people on the plane trying to race to find gotta, the marari gotta uh,
2: get our <laughs> factions in there
1: uh you know yeah they'll have factions they'll got some uh, i don't know some like werewolf conquistadors <laughs> please uh, no, they'll, please get, no. they'll get some homerids go to the um, patreon read already <laughs>
2: we're done with
1: this <laughs> Uh, God, if you too love uh, talking about uh, magic set stories from 2016, is that when Ixalan came out? It's I don't 2017, remember. Yeah. 2017, 2016, I don't know. Uh, if you love discussing old magic story and speculating what the future is going to hold, uh, there's a great place to do that. And that's our Discord server. Uh, to get access to our Discord server, uh, you get become one of our patrons. So on patreon.com slash thevorthoscast. You can give us a dollar a month, and that gives you access to the Discord. That's like $12 a year for access to our Discord server. Pretty good price, if you ask me. Uh, that gets you access access to our Discord, and then for $3 a month, you can become one of our live listeners. You get to listen to the episode recorded live. You get to hear us talking about all sorts of stuff before and after the episode, like uh, talking about Warhammer stuff before the episode, or how after the episode I'm going to do a rant about I don't know, probably something about like uh, the Dominar United story that I didn't get to say on the podcast. So uh, come join our live listen here for just $3 a month. Uh, also, our patrons get exclusive first access to like our playmat that came out and any other goodies that might be on the the horizon. Perhaps.
2: So, uh, yeah. Perhaps more soon.
1: Perhaps more. So uh, yeah, check us out at uh, patreon.com slash the Thank
0: you all for listening. This has been the Vorthos